He just keeps doing more. Come on, let's give God the praise tonight. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory, all the honor to the Son. How many are glad your sins are forgiven? Amen. My future is heaven. I praise God. Lift your hand and praise him tonight for what he's done. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you, church, for being here tonight. We thank the Lord for what he's done. Appreciate you giving attention to the word of God. I know it's been announced that on Sunday mornings here these several weeks, we're in the auditorium at 945 for Sunday school. And I want to encourage you that these are not just filler times, but preparation to enlighten us and then remind us of what missions and faith promise and world evangelization is all about. Now listen to me. You can't have a good performance if you don't have a good plan. Now God said reach the world, but he didn't just say wing it. He gave us a plan. How many know God's plan works, all right? So let's let's find out the plan if we don't know it and let's be reminded of it if we do know it and let's all do it because God's plan works. Now let's rehearse it together. Sunday school starts at... Say it again. Sunday school starts at... Not 10, not 10, 15, not 10, 20. Now, the longer the teacher has, the more the students learn, right? All right, this coming Sunday, we have Mother's Day. We have Sunday school, then 11 o'clock service, and then no evening live stream service. So let's get in and get in on all of it. Best way to be on time is to be early. Hey, on time is always before time, all right? So if the class starts at 945, you can't be pulling up the parking lot at 945. You got to be parked in the building, and the mind does well when it's prepared and it's set and it's in place, and you can fellowship with everybody and get situated. And Hey, who knows? You come here early Sunday, we might have some refreshments for you. You say, how do I know? Come and see, all right? But nothing's better than the word. All right, so let's be here. Let's get a good full 40 minutes or so. And let's give uh, Pastor Baldwin adequate time to teach. It's it's a worthy, worthy lesson. The mission of the church is missions. And then, as has been announced, our missions conference. Let's just plan on it, plan on it. To all of our members, even if it is not your custom to be here on a Wednesday night in the building, maybe this next week you can Make a point to be at the services Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. If you can't be there, tune in. These missionaries are traveling. This is what they do. They're helping us get the job done. And I'm encouraging every believer to be there. It is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's, it's draining. It's tiring. It is an investment, but there's no greater investment that the child of God will make than in the souls of mankind. How many of you tonight are glad that somebody thought enough of your soul to invest in it. Somebody, somebody knocking on doors, somebody sharing the gospel, somebody willingly inconveniencing himself so that you could be saved. We have to really hazard ourselves for the work in ministry and we need to give these missionaries a good showing to be in our place and then our commitment Sunday will be well informed, well inspired by our presence Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and all of the ministries and activities that associate with that. Our missions team's working hard, 
And we appreciate all of those that have given. If you've not yet given, men, teens, all of us, let's give a special offering. Taking care of these missionaries is an expensive endeavor, but we want to make sure not only we take care of them, give them a nice place to stay, make sure that every meal is taken care of, not a dime of their own money is spent to get here or to get where they're going next. And then give them a good love offering. Amen. Our choicest servants. So we're going to do it either way. You can be a part of it and invest in their lives. And my, 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 you can't beat God giving. Somebody say amen. All right, Esther chapter number nine. Got our housekeeping out of the way. Esther chapter number nine. How many of you thankful for the Bible? Say it with me. God is. Y'all some smart people. Say it again. God is. Come on now. Get with it, everybody. God is. Who's working behind the scene? You're supposed to say God is. Who's working behind the scene? What is God doing? Who's working behind the scene? What is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? Who working behind the scene? Oh, y'all some bad folks. Y'all miss me. I miss y'all too. Esther chapter 9. Boy, y'all sure got fed good Sunday, didn't you? I don't want to be a wild grape to you. You can be sweet as you want to be. Boy, God's done his part, hasn't he? Let's do ours. Esther chapter 9. Let's see what God is doing. We're not in chapter 9. We're in chapter 8. Did y'all know that? Huh? No, you didn't, Malik. (laughs) Esther chapter 8. First three words. Come on, talk to me. First three words of Esther 8. Say it with me. All right. Now, if you're not at 8, then that means you weren't at 9. Because it's only one, one page back. All right, if it is. On that day, Hazarus gave to the house of Haman, the house of Haman, the Jews enemy under Esther. Okay. Verse two took off his what? Come on. Come his Bible study. Took off his what? His ring, which he'd given to Haman. Gave it to who? <laughs> what can Haman do with it? Can't do nothing. Why? Cause he's what? Yeah. <laughs> Brother John always said swinging from a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you said like you felt good about that too. <laughs> now verse number three, Esther speaks. Next two words. Yet again. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, would you circle those words or underline them? Yet again. You know, I find out about this young lady. Every time she's talking in this book, It's in the best interest of somebody else. She's the queen. But every time she's talking, she's using her influence to help somebody else. Could I tell you that she would not have made it into the canon of scripture if she was like the average person alive on planet earth today? Selfish. Every time she talks... Although her right is to look out for herself, she's looking out for somebody else. And in chapter number 8, verse number 3, she's speaking yet again. 
She falls down to her feet, besought him with tears to put away the mystery of Haman the Haggagite, the Agagite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Can I say this to you? Just because a person dies doesn't mean his plans do. Huh? Listen, America is still reaping some of the devices of people who planned mischief for our country that are dead but still living. You know what that says to you? You better quit doing all that foolishness while you're alive. Because your foolishness will outlive you. He's dead and she's still trying to stop what he started. Verse 4, the king held out the scepter. Esther rose to before the king. Patience with my abbreviation here a little bit. Verse 5, and said, if it pleased the king, if I found favor in his sight and the things seemed right before the king. There she goes. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss to consume it upon your own lust. Listen to the preface of her question. I'm not going to even ask you to do something unless what I'm asking you to do is right. I'm befuddled at our complaints to our prayers not being answered. Instead of complaining about our prayers not being answered, we ought to look introspectively and ask ourselves, Are we praying the right prayers? Maybe God's not answering because the request that we're asking of him is not right. If it's right, if it seemed right, if I found favor, and if it please you, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all of the king's provinces. Verse 6, look at this. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto what? Others minded. Or how can I endure to see the destruction of what? She ain't say, hi, you going to let me die? You going to let this guy kill me? I'm your queen. Do you really want to go through a process of finding another me? How can I endure my people being slain? Let me tell you something. A love for God will drive a love for people. And a love for people will put you at risk for their sake. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Just a few moments tonight, we're looking at the exacted punishment. The exacted punishment. Planned, designed, and scheduled for the Jews but exacted on the man that planned it. Listen to me. You are indestructible until God is done with you. Let me say that again. 
You are indestructible until God is done with you. Some of you are not, some of you are not listening to me tonight. Cancer can't kill you unless God's done with you. You can't get hit by a car and die unless God's done with you. Nobody can walk in this building and shoot up this building and kill us unless God's done. And I'm just letting anybody know who's got any plot. When God's done with me, I won't be here anyway. What is the point of being on planet earth when God is done with you? When God's done with you, go to glory and spend eternity with him. But until that day, can't nobody or no thing destroy you. And God is just manifesting his protection in the life of Esther and the Jews. Listen to me. The Jews could not be annihilated in the book of Esther. We still got to get Jesus born in Bethlehem in Matthew. It can't happen. It can't happen. Ladies and gentlemen, God is working out his plan. God is working behind the scenes. And you have to be confident in this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. God's got something for you to do in the years to come. And if he's got something for you to do next year, you cannot go down right now. You've got to believe that. Somebody say amen. Yeah, but pastor, look what's happening and it's already been written down and the doctor already said I got this many months and statistics say and it's already been been voted on and this has been designed and it's already on paper and the process is on. I don't care. You are indestructible until God is done with you. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to sit back and watch how he's going to do it and stop wondering if he's somebody. Help me preach tonight. Take God off a trial. Quit doubting. Quit Quit, quit questioning, quit, 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 quit being in dismay. Stop scheduling funerals for people that ain't going to die. Stop writing wills when God said you're going to keep on going forever. Stop scheduling a pity party when you're going to have the victory. Believe that God is able and spend your time in an anticipation saying, I'm not wondering if he will, I'm wondering when he will and how he will because I already know that he will. Now, Esther's just an instrument. She's just an actor in the play, but she's not the director. She, she's just a party that's in the middle of this scheme. But she's not the designer. Ladies and gentlemen, we're on the chessboard. We're the pieces on the board, but we're not the ones moving the pieces. Listen to me. Get on the board and let God move you. The recognized plot. Somebody brings up at the end of chapter number seven. These are the gallows that Haman had designed. The retributive penalty. No, he's not going to design them for, for Mordecai and kill him. Instead, we're going to kill him. Verse number nine. The king says, hang him and they hang him. Look at verse number one. On that day, verse eight, we need to move chapter eight, verse one. We're moving quickly. On that day, he gave the house of Haman, the Jews enemy under Esther. So now we have a remarkable presentation. Now, not only has Haman been killed on gallows that he built to kill somebody else. Now his estate and his inheritance are go is going to the people that he was trying to kill. Listen to me. For every bad thing somebody does for you, God's going to do that much better. So that's why you can't, you cannot act like the evil done towards you is the end of the story. You've got to believe that God is working out all things for your good and for his glory. What a remarkable presentation. Whoever thought that Mordecai was going to get rich off the guy that plotted to kill him? 
All the cattle of a thousand hills belongs to God. All the gold and silver belongs to God. And you're sitting there mad that the wicked are prospering. Listen to me. They may prosper, but don't get mad that the wicked are prospering because when they die, it might be that prosperity that you complained about that comes your way. And it's amazing how many times we're mad at people that are prospering, not realizing sometimes God lets them prosper to have more to give to us. The resulting promotion. Mordecai came to the king. Esther had told what he was unto her. I mean, now she's, she's actually revealing some stuff. Now she can actually tell who Mordecai is. This is my uncle. I haven't said it. It wasn't time. By the way, we, we see very clearly in this passage, and every single time Esther speaks, clearly this is a woman that was swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. When she opened her mouth, it was clear every time she opened her mouth that what she said was well thought through. I don't know if this is the, the worst age of it, but it's got to be ranking in all of eternity the worst age of tact for believers. I've never seen so many Christians that don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, or to whom to say it. Just because it's true doesn't mean you need to blab it. Timing is critical. And over and over and over and over again, Esther held her peace, did not say her relation to Mordecai. But now that God has moved the threat out of the way. And by the way, quit trying to move threats and let God move them. And then when God moves, there is a liberty, there is a freedom. There is a freedom that exists for the believer when God moves the threat of danger out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God has us in a, in a holding pattern. And sometimes what we'd like to say, and what, listen, how many of you ever gotten blessed so good, but sometimes the blessing was so good you couldn't even share all of it? Come on. Because there was a threat of danger and envy and jealousy and hatred around you that even sharing the blessings wouldn't be a wise thing to do. But when God moves that mess out the way, you can praise him with no restriction. The resulting promotion is now that Mordecai gets the ring that Haman used to have. Same guy that was mad he wouldn't bow down. Now is the guy getting bowed down to. The same guy he was upset about and the same guy who was the impetus of this plot is now the inheritor of his position. Did you hear me now? The impetus of Haman's plot is now the inheritor of Haman's position. Stand in your righteous place. And Esther sent Mordecai over the house. This is the promotion. Now here comes the requesting process. Verse 3, moving quickly. Esther spake yet again, fell down at his feet. I want you to notice something about this requesting process. It's done with respect. Look at verse number 3. She fell down at his feet. Wow. It's done with respect. It, it's, it's done with remorse. I want you to know that Esther is... In every right of position to speak boldly, to speak adamantly, to speak aggressively. It's very clear that the king's indication that she's got carte blanche. It's very clear that the king is going to do what she wants. It's very clear that the king is giving, giving, giving her the green light. And yet after her threat is moved out of the way, this, there's a humility that resides in this young lady that she cannot shake. Let me tell you something. Humility is not something you put on for an instance. It's something that's on the inside that comes out. 
now. And there's a respect level that comes in Esther, even when it's not demanded out of her. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to the point where Christian people walk with God and demonstrate a level of respect that's appropriate in every situation. It means you respect your boss. It means you respect your teachers. It means you respect your authority. Listen, there's, there's some clearance that respect gets that nothing else you put on paper can there's just, there's just something. I was, I was speaking at a church <clears throat> last month, I guess. They're all running together. But I saw a young man, 18-year-old. His family sings. They travel around the country. And he just, everybody, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I said, well, I sure appreciate that. I sure appreciate that, those manners, that attitude, that yes, sir. What a blessing. What a blessing. You know what his daddy said? He said, you know, I thank you for appreciating. Cause he says, because we go places and they tell us when he says yes, sir, so much, he must be gay. That's what America has done. Hoodwink something positive and associated it with something negative. Listen, don't let the devil twisting the narrative get you off the course of doing right. There's so something special about respecting authority, respecting authority, children respecting their parents, wives respecting their husbands, about workers respecting their supervisors, citizens respecting law enforcement. Republicans respecting their Democratic president. There's just, there's just, there's just a level of position that comes with what's right. That has nothing to do with what you agree with. You, you respect the position. That's just the right thing to do. And shame on us as Christians if we think we're teaching our children how to walk with God by letting them disrespect everybody but us. God help us to remember the day when everybody could beat your children. See, I don't remember that day. Well, I grew up in it. You know, nowadays you got parents that say, don't touch my kids. And you, they're the only ones that their kids respect. God help us. The consequences for your children disrespecting another adult should be no less than them disrespecting you. And they need to know it. And here's Esther with respect and remorse. King holds out his scepter. The receptive permission. Again, he says, sure, Esther, holds out the scepter. Hey, listen to me. Maybe you're not getting yes because you're not asking right. Let's quit walking up to people like they owe us. I don't know a greater antidote for entitlement. Than gratitude. Say it again. I don't know a better antidote for entitlement than gratitude. Listen to me. I tell you what's wrong with Christians today. We're so blessed we think we should be. We're so well taken care of we think we should be. Every once in a while you need to get up in the morning and look around at all your blessings and say thank you Lord. And then thank God to everybody that he uses to provide those blessings for you. And maybe you quit going through a day saying why didn't I get this and start saying how in the world did God give it to me as sorry as I am. We are thankless people. 
Read, read Paul when he talks in Romans chapter 1. Read Timothy, Paul when he talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 or 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And talks about in these last days. Unthankful, 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 unthankful. Listen to me. You'll be happier about what you get when you ask for it like you don't deserve it. This is Esther. Here he is. Permission. Permission. And here's the respectful plea. If, if. If it pleased the king, verse 5, and I'm almost done. If I found favor, if the thing seemed right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse it. What good gracious a lie. I'm, I'm asking you, are you willing to put all them ifs on your request? I'm going to tell you what in so many words Esther is saying in verse number 5. Don't say yes to me if I don't deserve it. If my testimony, she's not asking in a spirit of entitlement, but here's what she's saying. If I've been a sorry queen, don't tell me yes. If I be pleasing in your eyes, oh my soul. Boy, if our, if our prayers to God were generated by a passion to please him, We'd be working so much harder before we ever hit our knees. So when we did hit our knees, we could say, God, I'm asking you to protect me. I'm asking you to bless my finances. I'm asking you to give me a spouse. I'm asking you to watch over me. I'm asking you to give me favor on my job. I'm asking you to give me a raise. I'm asking you to heal me. I'm asking you for good results for my test. I'm asking you to bless me uh, in, in an, un, an unthinkable way. I'm asking you to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask. But here's what I'm saying, God. If it's not right, if you don't see it as best, if you don't think I need it, and if I not been pleasing in your sight. Don't tell me yes if my actions warrant no. I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. Yes, you do. We expect so much for God, but expend so little for God. And then we get mad when he doesn't come through. And, and, and these critics, let me close. These critics that make us contemplate the possibility that God ain't doing us right. Boy, you serving God, boy. You sure got you sure got the short end of the stick, boy. Being a Christian, you can't do nothing, can't go nowhere, gotta keep wearing yourself out and da, da, da. who you know ain't worn out. Lost people worn out. Being a Christian, you know, you, you, you gotta read your Bible, you can't drink, get drunk and party and all this stuff, being a Christian. And then and then you all you've been doing for God and God lets you go through that. And then you start, you know what? Now that you think about it. Now that you said it. Come on, tell you act like you don't know what I'm talking about tonight. You know what, God, you know, now that when I was talking to brother and so and so God, he made me kind of think, you know, I done did a lot for you. I mean you you let the wrong person get sick. You let the wrong person get a positive diagnosis. 
You let the wrong person have a marital struggle. You let the wrong person have a prodigal child. God, you, you, could you go back and look at your desk when you signed off for my trial and make sure you really look knew what you were signing on? And here they come, people start pumping you up. Look at what God did for you. Look, look at what God let you go through. Where was God when you faced that? Where, where was God when you went to that trial? I, I, was, I was thinking about something earlier uh, last week and, and reading in a book and, and, and someone was saying something about when they went through a trial and, and as if God just abandoned. Where was God when, when he let your child die? By the way, can I give you an answer? The same place when he let his die. On the throne. He's not asking us to do something he hasn't done. He's asking us to trust his character. And Esther is teaching us. And it looks like we're all going through it. Because everywhere I go, somebody says, I'm watching Esther. I mean, I go to preach places. I've been tuning into Esther. It's exactly what I need. Well, it's exactly what I need. And I'm preaching it. God help us. God help us. This requesting process. We, we need to start putting some conditions on our own prayer. And then we won't be so mad when God answers it. Listen, listen, get yourself eligible to God, for God to answer your prayer. Amen. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I want to live right when I'm not in the prayer closet. So I don't have to go in there nervous. If, if, for all of us that were rooting for Esther to break bad a few chapters earlier, Esther glad she ain't listening to y'all. Don't let get Esther speak up, girl. Tell him who Mordecai is. Speak up. You the queen, girl. Go up in there and shut that thing. For all of us, for every one of your friends that's telling you, you need to get revenge. Stop praying for your enemies. Stop giving gifts to people who don't give you no gifts. For everybody that's trying to pump up your animosity, when you get blessed, remind them that you're glad you didn't listen to them. Because when your time comes to get what you really, it's good that Haman's dead, but Esther needs more than Haman hanging from a tree, Brother Austin. All right. Which is a good thing. But that's not all she needs. She needs the ring. She needs a reversal. And when God opens the door for her to ask for it in Esther, Chapter 8, her life in Esther's 1, Esther's chapter, Esther chapters 1 through 7. Her life lived right in the first seven chapters is what moves the king in the 8th chapter to say yes. Maybe you're in the deepest, darkest, most difficult trial of your life. Well... I hate to bust your bubble. It's too late to convince God of your faithfulness. The records are already there. So instead of trying to get it all right now, just start working now so you're ready for the next test. And when God issues it, say to him, if it be right in your eyes, if I found favor in your sight, 
if it seemed pleasing to you, and if I have pleased you, answer my prayer. Father, thank you. We're so selfish. So stubborn. So full of ourselves. So busy asking for us. Jumping at every opportunity to get our way. Taking advantage of every green light. Instead of letting God bless us. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name.